It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. On the Hill 2020 with Lee Lonsberry on KSL News Radio. Hey, welcome back to the program. I'm Lee Lonsberry. You're listening to Live Mike. This is episode. I'm so grateful to a number of folks today. First off, uh, KSL News Radio for sending me up here to the Capitol uh, to broadcast and share with you some of the priorities and bits of legislation being forwarded by the lawmakers that represent you and craft the legislation and laws uh, that govern us here in this state. I'm also grateful to the folks who uh, facilitated this uh, opportunity for us here uh, at the Utah's Capitol Hill. And in this next segment, I'm particularly excited to speak to to my guest, Senate President Stuart Adams. He's here. We're going to talk about a couple things, uh, a few things generally, and one thing uh, specifically. So, uh, President, sir, I'm grateful to you for being here. Thanks so much for joining me. Great to be with you. Day one. Yeah, Happy right. Day. Pretty good. That's a great uh, day. Listen, because it's day one, I know that your day is very full. There's a lot going on for you here. Uh, taking a step back, as you prepared for this year's legislative session, what is it that you hope to accomplish? Well, education and education funding is probably always the number one thing we deal with here, and particularly now with workforce development because our economy is the best ever in the history of the state of Utah. We just got a new report. Our unemployment rate is 2.3%. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. Absolutely. Who's not working? Yeah, it's at finding jobs, finding people to work. I mean, it's the biggest problem. Sure. And then in addition to that, our tax burden is the lowest it's been in 27 years. Best economy, lowest tax burden. That's pretty hard to beat. What are you keeping your eyes on this legislative session to ensure that that success continues? Well, clearly we need to make sure we keep in place good tax policy. We've had a lot of good, good discussion about that. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. But, but, uh, <laughs> I bet we will. But, uh, but part of that is to maintain a, a, you know, a, a great workforce. And so we're looking at uh, trying to get kids into the workforce sooner. We've looked at apprenticeships, which uh, would actually affect high school students. Concurrent enrollment, which we've done for a long time. And then when kids or students go into college, stackable credentials to be able to get them certificates, get them into the workplace, then let them, as they go through this uh, workplace environment, actually let them go back and get their college degrees, but to be able to have those stackable credentials that get, get them their employment faster. Talk, talk to me a little bit more about this, these apprenticeships and what's being done on, on that front. Uh, if, you, if you watch uh, TV, you see this guy, Mike Rowe, used to host uh, Dirty Jobs. He's big into that. Uh, he, he loves folks uh, learning with their hands-on, uh, learning trades. Trades, uh, and this apprenticeship is something, a drum that he beats uh, quite regularly. W what's being done uh, before you to, to forward this? Well, the concept is brought to us by a company called Stadler Rail. They've made their North American headquarters here. They're out of Switzerland. Wonderful announcement just last year. A lot of jobs here in Utah now, thanks to them. Amazing thing. And what they do, that they've done is the apprenticeships usually are very hard to get into. There are several hundred, if not uh, more than that, even up to a thousand kids that apply for them. And they allow them to come work, and then they pay them while they work. Uh, they pay them while they go to school. So they work maybe two days at Stradler Rail and go to high school the other three. And that, that income gives them some sense of stability, but also after they get through with high school, 
if they want to go on to college, they pay them while they're going through college. And then they also pay for the college tuition. No student debt. What a, what a great concept. What's the government's role in promoting a practice like that? Uh, we just help facilitate it by allowing the kids to go to work instead of go to high school and allowing those credits to be had while they're, going, while they're working. Uh, let's shift gears. Uh, specifically, we received I, in my email inbox, I got a letter drafted uh, by yourself along with uh, Speaker uh, of the House and the Governor letting us all know that this uh, piece of tax reform, which was passed during the special session of the legislature uh, tail end of last year, is going to be repealed. And the letter indicated that that repeal would take place by the end of this week. What's going to happen this week? Uh, t- tomorrow, the House will start the bill. It'll actually uh, be in their floor time, which is about 11 o'clock. And then, <coughs> excuse me, whoa. Uh, and then they'll move from the House to the Senate. So hopefully by noon tomorrow, the, we will actually have the bill repealed. Now, let me ask you a question that might be an obvious one. It seems how you sent out that release. You wouldn't do that unless you were confident. But let me ask you here. Do you have the votes to repeal it? Yeah, I, I, I would. Uh, we haven't actually done any uh, tallying of the votes, but I'd be very surprised if we had any negative votes on the bill. Will a replacement uh, be crafted this legislative session? You know, right now there's a gubernatorial race going on. I don't know if you've heard that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, in fact, I've seen a, a few gentlemen out here in the rotunda making the case why they ought best be suited to, to sit in the governor's seat. We we did this. Uh, we were trying to be proactive. We did it when the roof was not leaking. We did it when we know the shingles are worn. We've got a problem, but we've got some time. And right now, I kind of think it's not a bad idea to allow that new governor to be in place so we have new fresh eyes. We have a new sense of perhaps uh, ideas or even direction. And we've got time. And we can do this at, you know, next session. Right now, I... What I don't want to do is just overreact. And we have a tendency in Utah to really get things right, mm-hmm. really right. We're the best economy in the state. We've got the best tax policy. We've been rated number one in so many different things. And we're going to make sure we get it right. And I think if we need to take a little time to do it, that's probably the better thing to do. Let me ask you this. There is a, an attitude expressed by some, including the governor, that uh, for all those folks that had such a negative, thing, negative things to say about this tax reform package, uh, the, the, the follow-up question is, okay, well, then, if this isn't good enough for you, what is? Uh, what is the uh, appropriate uh, response to our tax situation? I won't ask you to be specific, unless you're willing, uh, but have you heard in this crop of candidates candidates for governor, any suggestions that are specific enough uh, for action or address the issue which you and other leaders saw uh, as you crafted this piece of legislation? I've been listening, but I haven't heard any. I don't know if you have. My ear's been to the ground. I haven't heard it yet. It's study, look at, uh, it hasn't been. Oh, don't forget public voices. That's right, public voices. You want to listen. But, you know, one thing that I'm hearing very clearly is that people want us to spend more money on education. And they want us to cut their taxes. I'm trying to figure out how to do the math. Yeah. Uh, did the food tax kill this? Uh, I think that was part of it. I think, you know, we, we've tried to do things in a very, very thoughtful way. As we put that food tax back on, we actually met with the low-income advocates. We asked them that we know that food brings stability in our budget. 
but how do we do this in the, the right way, thoughtful? They said, put an earned income tax credit on, put the largest uh, t- uh, food tax credit in the, in the nation. If you take $500 for a family of four, divide it by .03, which is the tax, it pays for $16,666 in food. We did that. We actually had, took the, took the uh, state income tax off of Social Security and added a $2,500 dependent exemption. We thought that was very thoughtful, gave tons more benefit to the low and moderate income population, but somehow we didn't message it right. Mm. Uh, our guest this segment has been Senate President Stuart Adams. Sir, I'm grateful to you for joining us. We've heard some of his priorities, things he'd like to see uh, happen and transpire during this legislative session, uh, as well as learning that it is uh, the plan that this week, SB 2001, uh, will be repealed. And it will likely be next year or sometime during the following governor's tenure uh, that this issue will be readdressed. Uh, there is a problem on the horizon. But we've got a little bit of time before it uh, smacks us upside the head. Uh, President, sir, I'm grateful to you for joining me on the program today. Thank you for having me. Thank Great you. With you. Uh, listen, in the next segment, it's a topic I talk about uh, often. And hey, listen, uh, the Utah Community Credit Union text line, it's 57500. If I talk about guns too much, would you let me know? I'm a, I'm a Second Amendment enthusiast. I'm a firearms hobbyist. Uh, I, I enjoy both the, the mechanics and the craftsmanship as well as uh, the, the freedom to hunt and protect myself and my family. And so when there are issues, items of legislation that arise uh, that would impact my ability to uh, enjoy my firearms, protect my family, protect myself, uh, and engage in the hobbies that bring me so much joy, I pay attention. And we've talked a little bit today, uh, particularly with uh, Representative Brian King, uh, about his desire to close what, uh, what the Democrats call a, a loophole. Uh, that was a conversation we had. Uh, and in the next segment, we're going to speak with Representative uh, Corey Malloy about uh, a deal uh, dealing with firearms, a piece of legislation he is forwarding during this legislative session. And then later on, uh, Representative Steve Handy, he uh, would like to bring... Red flag laws here to the state of Utah, and he and I have gone the rounds on that. We'll do so again, see what kind of progress he's made on this, if he's garnered any more support on his effort to uh, make Utah a red flag state when it comes to firearms. So, uh, Corey Muller next here on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. We're broadcasting live from the Utah State Capitol. It's an incredible thing. I'm uh, privileged. It's really surreal. I was an intern here forever ago. Anyway, uh, next up, a lot of good things coming here from the Utah State Capitol on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.